Sure, well, I've been asked to speak, uh, lead and speak today on uh, this subject uh, in your series on the Lord's Prayer, Deliver Us from Evil. Um, before, um, I'm always getting it, Adrian, but before he gets me, I'm here, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> um, so you haven't been delivered today quite, but... Uh... Now, before we get into the phrase, um, just a, a brief moment right at the beginning about the wording um, that we might read in the Bibles. In the traditional uh, Lord's Prayer in the, the King James Version of the Bible, it re- reads, deliver us from evil. However, in the New King James Version and the NIV and other versions actually as well, uh, I think it's a bit more accurate when it says, deliver us from the evil one. Um, let's center uh, evil on the evil one uh, rather than just making it bland. Um, the message version, actually, the message paraphrase says, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil." And then it goes on to say, you're in charge. Uh, Again, an important point to recognize that God is in charge. Um, Right at the beginning, I want to stress that when we pray, deliver us from the evil one, we have already acknowledged the fact that there is an evil one, uh, that there is um, evil in the world. Not not just evil, but supremely uh, an evil one that is present in the world, uh, all around uh, we can and read and know of the presence of the evil one in the world. Um, as we've heard, uh, read, um, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. There is that sense that Uh, we are in a battle. And we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. Again, that acknowledges not that the kingdom has come totally, um, but the kingdom is breaking in all the time. And if the kingdom is breaking in, uh, the kingdom being the good, then we are breaking in against the evil one. So the evil one is out there, and it is a battle that we're in. Uh, And yet we start the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, with our Father in heaven. We have authority as the children of God over the evil one. We just need to pick up uh, the sword and fight uh, against the evil one. I want to say also, let's not get an idea that God uh, will lead us into this temptation. Um, Our prayer is about asking him not to lead us into that temptation, but it is not God that leads us into the temptation. Um, if, if that was the case, it, it throws us into confusion about what sort of God we worship if we believe that is God leading us into temptation. Uh, you know, what sort of God do we worship? We're, we're keen, uh, even in the Lord's Prayer, to emphasize what a great father we have, uh, what a great father he is. Um, you know, when you go to the Matthew 7 passage uh, about asking for bread and being given a stone, being asked, uh, being asked for fish and being given a snake, we recognize that God does not want to give us the bad things of the world that we have authority in the Father's name to receive the goodness of this world and not always the badness. Uh, what sort of father would lead us intentionally into places and difficult places of temptation? So let's get one thing straight. The father, the daddy, the Abba that we worship does not want us to be involved in temptation. That is of the devil who is present in this world and temptation and the father should not be linked. By praying this portion of the prayer, we're admitting uh, that life is a struggle, 
that we are in uh, warfare, we're in a battle, and we are combating an enemy who seeks to oppress us and keep us from serving the Lord and sharing him with others. By praying this prayer, we're confessing that though we are in the world, we are not of it. Again, that sense that the kingdom is continuing to break in, that we are pushing against the boundaries of the evil one. We are combating an enemy who seeks to oppress us and keep us from serving the Lord. The Bible continues to reiterate that that is how it is, that we are here, uh, but we belong elsewhere. Uh, One of the other Bible prayers uh, that Jesus prays, prays the same thing, only he expands it and answers the question. Uh, John 17, uh, where where Jesus prays, is an interesting prayer to look at. Here's what Jesus prays to his Father in John 17. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, not wanting them an easy life, but that you keep them from the evil one. And then verse 17 uh, goes on to say, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart to be holy people in order that they can be good in the battle against the evil one. Though the Lord is sovereign in this world, Satan dwells here as well. And actually we live and move and have our very being behind the enemy lines. Now we are, we are like spies that have been dropped in by parachute, as it were, behind the enemy lines. And we've got to fight that with that mindset that we're in the enemy lines and we have to fight. When we pray, uh, deliver us from the evil one, we're conceding, I think, three facts that we can look at and we're going to look at uh, this morning about our enemy, the devil. We've got a PowerPoint. I don't know whether you can bring up the first point uh, just so that people can follow it through. The first thing I think that we're admitting is that the evil one exists. Oh, you've got all all the points. So now you know where we're going. (laughs) Uh, The first one is that that the evil one exists. You know, there's a person uh, in a church who stood up every week at the conclusion of the week's uh, prayer meeting, church prayer meeting, and prayed, Lord, clean out the cobwebs in my life. Uh, And there was another person who used to go to the prayer meeting regularly, and after listening to him pray this week after week, month after month, this little older woman for faith finally stood up and prayed, Lord, I want to thank you for cleaning out the cobwebs in my brother's life. But Lord, would you save him a lot of trouble and just kill the spider? (laughs) How often do we confront the cobwebs in our life while still ignoring the spider that is there? You know, when, we, when we're involved in the things of temptation, often we, we, we put to bed the things of today of temptation, but forget that actually tomorrow the spider is still there. The spider of temptation is still there. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Don't ignore the spider in your life which is longing to put cobwebs into your life. Don't ignore it. Put it to bed. Get it sorted. In our culture, we're filled with fairy tales and false information about the evil one. Some Christians deny his existence. Yes, they do. Some Christians deny his existence. While others see Satan just as a way of personifying evil. Um, I read somewhere, if you take the D out of devil, devil, you get evil. Um, Some recognize his existence, 
but deny the power of the devil. But make no mistake about it. The evil one exists. He exists and he is bent on the destruction of God's purposes, the destruction of God's people from the plan that God has for God's people. We only need to turn to the life of Jesus to see the reality of what Satan is up to. You know, Jesus dealt with the devil in the wilderness in a way which I look at sometimes and think, I wish I could do it as well as that. Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. You know, you can read this in Luke 4. You know what it's about. That the devil loves to tempt people, even the Lord Jesus. And further, uh, Jesus prayed in John 17, my prayer is not that you'd take them out of the world, but you'd protect them from the evil one. Now, why would Jesus be confronted by the devil and pray for us in our confrontation if the devil didn't exist? The Lord prayed prayed for us because he knows that the evil one is trying to, to make us fall. He knows that he wants us to use the thin rope so that it breaks and we fall. He knows that the battle is on, and the battle is on with the evil one, the devil. There's an old uh, song, uh, 1985, I looked it up. You'll know it probably. It says, in heavenly armor we'll enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. The evil one exists. Let's recognize it so that we are ready uh, for the battle that we're involved with. Secondly, uh, if the evil one exists, um, also um, Satan is in conflict with you. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6 Uh, says, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, it goes on, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. That's not my words, that's what it says. Stand firm then. Years ago, there was, um, um, I, I read a story about an artist who had painted a portrait of the devil uh, playing against a young man in a game of chess. Um, I think the, the painting's hung in um, Cincinnati in Ohio, I think. The story about the painting claimed that the devil had challenged the young man to a game of chess. And if the young man won, he would be eternally free from the influence of the evil one. If he lost, the devil would possess his soul. The picture showed the devil's determination to win. Uh, again, don't forget the devil is determined to win. Chess ex- experts uh, saw the picture, realized that in just four short moves, the young man was going to lose. And the picture portrayed torment in the face of the young man as the devil uh, moved his queen to announce uh, checkmate. The young man had his hand over his rook, amazed and disheartened at what appeared to be ultimate defeat. For years, this picture hung in the gallery and communicated doom and despondency. And as viewers passed the portrait, they saw the hopelessness of the young man's dilemma. Some of the world's finest chess players stood amazed uh, at the artist's brilliance 
uh, at putting this sort of picture into life in the painting. And then finally, one person who studied the picture was convinced somebody could beat the devil. So he contacted an aged chess master and uh, a guy called Paul Murphy to come from New York and study the painting to see if there was any way out for the young man. And a crowd gathered round to see if the chess master could find a way out. After much studying, pondering and deliberation, the old chess player's eye finally lit up. Through a combination of moves, the master not only found a solution to the young man's dilemma and ultimate defeat, he actually discovered the moves that would turn the tides and put the devil in checkmate. When the chess master finally explained the solution, the people went berserk. They went nuts. In fact, one guy stood up and shouted, Young man, what are you waiting for? Make the move! Many Christians, you know, today feel doomed and despondent and disheartened, especially in the Western church. Uh, If you move to other countries where the church is on the rise, they may feel a bit more encouraged. But in the Western world, and and I think in England or UK, we feel despondent about it. They feel that Satan's just one move from taking them out. And they feel they're just moments away from defeat. But the great chess master, Jesus Christ, has proved and provided a combination of moves that not only will take us out of our adversary's claw, but will reverse the tides of the game and claim the victory for us. And God wants us to make the move. God wants us to say yes. How is that? How can that be? How can we fight against this formidable foe? Well, the word of God and scripture says it without hesitation. 1 John 4, 4 says, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have the power, my friends, to destroy the work of the evil one. Take it on board. Uh, Satan might be in conflict with you, but you have the power to deliver yourself from evil through Jesus Christ. Because, point three, God is your deliverer. God is your deliverer. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James 4, 7 says. That doesn't give us a license to sit on our backsides and become victims. He wants us to take our stand and be victorious. When you pray, deliver us from the evil one, you're not passively sitting by. You're not taking a back seat. You're not letting your engine run idle. You're taking a stand To use Paul's words again, you're taking a stand. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Or as the message version says, let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. You know, Jesus himself, fully human and fully divine, submitted to God the Father in the wilderness and use the offensive weapon of the word of God, and Satan fled. Learn to resist. I'm hopeless, I have to say, at learning scripture. I've been involved in this for many years as a minister, and years before that as a Christian, but I still find it difficult to recall scripture. Perhaps it's one of those things I ought to try and work out when I'm retired next week. Um, Use the word of God. Learn the word of God. Uh, It's so important as we try and battle against 
uh, against the devil. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, in, in one of his books, uh, when he quotes some of the stuff about uh, the Lord's Prayer, he says, there is no resistance to Satan other than flight. Uh, flee. Uh, that can indeed only mean flee to the place where you'll find protection. It's, there's a bit of a, a sort of conflict going on between standing firm and fleeing, I know. But what he's saying is flee uh, to the place of protection. Flee to the crucified Son of God. That's where we will find protection. The Boy Scouts, if you remember the Boy Scouts, have a motto about being prepared. Um, Jesus reminded his disciples in Mark 14, 38, watch and pray, watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. And you know what comes after that? The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We need to be in training for this all the time. We need to be down at the gym, uh, training ourselves so that our our body is not weak, but is strong and able to confront uh, the evil one as we take the hand of God uh, and and do this together. When you pray, uh, deliver us from evil, you're taking a stand. So take a stand. Don't allow the devil a foothold. Have confidence that God is your deliverer. Join with the psalmist in Psalm 121 who expresses his confidence in this way. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Great to be a man with the psalmist's confidence in our lives, that the world world, uh, will look on and see that we stand firm in God, that we know that God watches over our lives. All the phrases of the Lord's Prayer are important, but perhaps, uh, I have to say, I, we call it the Lord's Prayer so often, I actually would prefer, I think, to call it the Disciples' Prayer. prayer. The Lord does pray it, but it's the prayer which he gives us to work with to prayer. It's a Disciples' Prayer, taught by the Lord for the disciples to work with. All the phrases are important, but one thing I, I would just want to, to say is, let's not over-egg and be preoccupied with the works of the devil. I know the devil is there. I want to say he is, we are in a battle with the devil, but I don't want you also to become preoccupied with the works of the devil. You know, it can be a danger in church sometimes. I've met it in churches I've pastored and beyond, that sometimes see the people, see the devil and the evil spirit round every corner, uh, on every uneven curbstone that they've just tripped over, uh, in every situation in life. But let me remind you of what I started out with. But in praying God to God to deliver us, we acknowledge that God is greater than any foe uh, of, of, of Satan. That the power of evil must be admitted and taken seriously, yet not too seriously, because our God is an awesome God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a faithful God. And our God is an available God to those who call on his name. Interestingly, I think, uh, perhaps that is why that though the Lord's Prayer honestly focuses upon trial and temptation, it never mentions Satan by name. Let's not give in the glory. Let's not give in the glory by saying, oh, I tripped over a paving stone and broke my leg. It was Satan at work. Let's not give him the glory like that. Don't mention his name, uh, but recognize that he is there. And I want to close with a quote. I apologize. It's a long quote. 
uh, from a book by, uh, on the Lord's Prayer by William Willimon and Stanley Harris, two of my heroes of, of uh, theology and preaching as well. William Willimon's preaching, if you can hear it, is absolutely fantastic, uh, in a book called Lord Teach Us. Uh, it's a long quote, um, and it's coming up, uh, so you can see it as well and, and, and study it. But it says this, But how will our Heavenly Father deliver us from the evil one? Sometimes he does it by special acts of sovereignty, uh, acts of special sovereignty. He removes the circumstances or the persons that have been the means of enticing us into sin. Sometimes he removes the desire. We find ourselves in certain circumstances which are potentially soul-destroying. We have no desire to yield to its allurements. The Holy Spirit makes us immune to sin's beckoning. His more normal way, however, is not to bring uh, us such deliverances as these. He allows us to experience the full force of temptation's attraction because he wants us to engage in it, engage us in living the Christian life. He actually wants us to battle because it is through the experience of battle that we often grow. Just as unused muscles atrophy, so spiritual maturity is stunted by passivity. God wants us to develop, to develop the skills of resisting the devil so that he will flee from us. So he sometimes does it by special acts of sovereignty. He sometimes just removes the desire, but more often, as most of us will know, we live life in the battle. We live life in that marketplace of, of things going on and, and, the, and, and stuff being disappointing and, and destroying us. But actually, as we do that, we grow in strength. Uh, I don't know if that's your experience with evil and sin, but certainly my experience is that the more I battle against it, the more I feel confident that I'm able to overcome it. Uh, and then uh, they, they go on to relate uh, this to James 4.7. Again, this is what James 4.7 says. Submit yourselves then to God. That's the first, part, the first place. Submit yourself to God. Don't try and do it in your own strength. Recognize that God is in authority. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Deliver us from the evil one. If you want to uh, know more about that, then trust in Jesus. Submit yourself to God. Let him have control. Hang on to the right sort of rope in life. Jesus is the only one who can give us the peace that we so much desire. Jesus is the only one who allows us to make the right moves in life so that we put checkmate on Satan's moves. Until we come to that realization, we can try everything else, but it's all in vain to give us peace. Don't let Satan ruin your life. Confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. Perhaps today, uh, that might be about just reaffirming your life and saying, yes, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, perhaps today, one of you says, perhaps I should do that for the first time. Uh, and if that's the case, see Laurie or me or somebody else that you feel confident with in the community here. Just recently, I was invited to go back to Lee Abbey um, to baptize somebody in the sea. 
she was a girl we'd had been there for two years and uh, we'd we'd uh, her name was Yanka she wouldn't mind me telling you the story she was uh, when she came to Lee Abbey um, she uh, came as a Christian uh, from Hungary um, and uh, within the first two weeks she knocked on my door uh, as, as the chaplain she thought I was the guy with the answers which was not of course true uh, but she knocked on my door and said, I don't understand. I thought I was a Christian. But y- this place just has transformed my understanding. I don't think I am a Christian after all. And so we, we spent a long time talking, and uh, and it went on through the whole of our time until we left. Uh, and after that as well, we, we spoke when I was back at board meetings and so on. Um, and um, sh- she moved from thinking that she wasn't a, uh, she wasn't a Christian uh, with some reading and some study and some prayer and some help to believing that she was a Christian, and it was just a great joy to be able to be to be invited back to baptise her in the sea, and, and um, we had the whole community gathered round, and her testimony was amazing, and her testimony I think tells us something about how we should uh, resist the devil, how we should work at getting ourselves delivered from the evil one, because her testimony said, um, uh, told about actually the time that she gave her life to Christ at Lee Abbey, having realised that she was a Christian but wanted to commit herself fully to that. She was on the beach, she was on her own, and she said a prayer and she threw a pebble uh, into the sea. And she said, this pebble uh, represents my giving of my life to Christ. And she bunged it into the sea. And she said, that was great. And I came home and I felt uh, back to her room and to community and she was all excited and she, she, she told one or two people, myself included, she came knocking on our door and came and told me what she'd done. I, it, was, you know, it was great. And, but her testimony went on. She said, I realized um, on the second day, you know, the day after that she had done that, she, she realized that actually she needed to be down at the beach again, throwing another pebble to say, I commit my life to you again, Lord. And the day after, and the day after, and she said, every day now, I wake up and I think about standing on the beach and I throw the pebble and I say, today, Lord, I give my life to you. I commit my life to you. Now, friends, I don't know about you, um, but that's how I feel um, in life. That every morning I wake up and uh, I hopefully wake up with, with the words, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to wake up again today. But mainly I, I say, Lord, I just want to commit my life to you afresh today. You know, it's so easy, isn't it, in the, the rush of the world to get up out of bed, to switch on the phone, to have a look at who's text us, see what's on the news uh, and just move on through life. But I would urge you, if you want to really take this phrase, deliver us from evil, or the evil one, to heart, to wake up in the morning and to metaphorically pick up a pebble, chuck it in the sea and say, today, Lord, once again, I commit my life to you. When you do that, when you put your life into God's hands, he will help you uh, to be protected from the woes of the evil one. My time is up. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are indeed the one that we we can hang on to, the thick rope that we can rely on with confidence as we climb those those walls uh, of life. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go into the world to remember that we need to take a stand, that we remember that the evil one is out there. Remember that we are in the battle, but remember also that God has the power and authority and we take on board that power and authority in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, that 
that you are a God uh, who enables us to, uh, to live by the Spirit, the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of evil. And Father, where perhaps today we've come and feel we need to make that new commitment, allow people to, in their hearts and minds, throw the pebble and say, I commit my life to you, Lord Jesus. And if somebody's come here um, not knowing whether they have made that commitment or not, Lord, make them aware in their own hearts of the need to do it so that they can stand firm themselves as they leave this place. So let's share together in that prayer which uh, you are looking at over these weeks and we have looked at a bit today. And uh, often I say this, um, uh, uh, when we, we come to the Lord's Prayer, we often sort of mumble it out. Um, I always urge people not to mumble it. Say, see if you can say it in confidence. I was going to put it on the screen, but I forgot to do so. But um, hopefully you know it. I have to say, I'll, I'll, I'll admit to you, I've got it in front of me. Um, and the reason I do that is because I have been at a funeral when I completely went blank. Um, so it's always in here. Um, so let's see if we can say it in confidence. I can lead you in confidence because I've got the notes in front of me. Let's say together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours forever and ever. Amen.